Are you looking to take your knowledge of faith to the next level? Oh, yeah! You've come to the right place. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, broadcasting from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The podcast hosted by four pastors as they discuss relationships, faith, pop culture, current issues, and much, much more. Hey everybody, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors. Wow, we're back from the summer break. Everybody's got their tan, everybody's peeling. Um, (laughs) Everybody has uh, gone back to school, back to real life. Cocoa butter tan. Still smell like cocoa (laughs) butter, probably. I prefer shea butter myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome everybody. We are glad you've joined us I'm here still pasty white. on Post Christian <laughs> Pastors, where uh, we are just four pastors uh, weighing in on things about culture, religion, faith, uh, anything sports today, anything yeah. you can imagine. We we try to talk about. This is episode number fourteen. We are back from summer break. Thanks for sticking with us this summer. We did put out a couple episodes this summer, so make sure you you check in on them. But we haven't been together to record in a while, and yeah. um, but we are today. I missed you guys. I, I know it's you. been a really sad time of absence. <laughs> <laughs> it really has been. I've been okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, no, ju- have, Mike did you, just you te- fine. You texted me with tear emojis saying, I wish we hang out more. <laughs> Stop it. Don't, don't play Stop around. It. Tear emojis. I just learned how to do emojis on my phone. <laughs> I am such so a Gen old. Xer. I know. Whoa. I'm like, oh, look. My kids were doing it. So I'm like, oh, look. I, Mike I didn't miss us because he was hanging out with LeBron all summer. So he didn't miss us. Feeling good, baby. Feeling good. Yeah. Mike is still living off the high of uh, of the Cleveland Cavaliers win in what, May? June? Oh, I'm wearing June? a Cavs shirt He's, right now. He's wearing the same shirt. He's been wearing the same shirt for like three months now. Nice. He needs to take it off. <laughs> nice. Right well, now. we are glad that you're back with us. And uh, hey, guys, we are back together from this summer. I hope you all had a great summer. So I wanted to ask you, uh, and just for the audience too, what, what were some things that happened this summer uh, personally for you, but also that you saw maybe out in uh, culture or in the faith community world any any big news that we missed because we were away for the summer anything we'll start with uh let's start with uh let's start with marv yeah well as as it comes to the faith issue i mean the only big thing that i think happened that had some kind of residual effect on christendom uh was the fall of perry noble um that was one of those shocking things that i saw just you know this reality that that pastors are people Um, And, uh, you know, things that that happen to normal people uh, can happen to pastors. And I think there's this sense of uh, the need for accountability and and just just a reminder of of that. I mean, you know, I think that in the celebrity pastor culture, we forget to actually personalize people and humanize them and, and spend time in prayer for them. So, I mean, that... So, if people, so faith, if people don't know what we're talking about, uh, you know, Perry Noble, who pastored and founded New New Spring, New Spring, yep. New Spring yeah. Church in South Carolina, primarily. I know they have multiple campuses. Probably the largest church in the south southeast. Would that be one, true? Yeah. Or with yeah, up, up there with um, Elevation Church and Seacoast. Yeah, yeah. So, like in the top two or three, um, Perry was uh, removed as the senior pastor um, because of alcohol abuse and what was 
what was listed as other poor choices. I don't know if those. Yeah. I don't know if those related to the alcohol. Um, sure. So it wasn't like the big things that we think about often, but but it did have a problem with alcohol. Uh, right. Checked into rehab, all those things. Yeah, that that's a that was an interesting thing. We I, I talked about it with my boss pastor i talked about whether you should let a pastor go because of alcohol issues and and um it was a good conversation like why why didn't they put perry on like a sabbatical or a time of you know a time off it sounds like it had been addressed multiple times and even in a communication just said that he felt like he was turning to that for comfort rather than god Mm -hmm. um and um yeah yeah i mean he he even admitted in, in what he wrote down just that like pe- many multiple people spoke into his life and he continued to do what he wanted to do and I think that that's where he he really wrestled and I I, 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 I honor his ability to to come forward and talk about it and and admit like hey like I really messed up and so did, and did, I, so do you guys think that you sh- do you think I know this isn't our topic today but right. do you, <laughs> right. do you think that you should I, do you think that Perry should have been let go more for his refusal to get help rather than saying, I have a problem? Because pastors should be able to come forward and say, I right. have a problem yeah. without losing their job, I, I believe. Well, it sounds like the problem was identified, was spoken to multiple right, that's times, what I mean. and he refused right. to change. And so I think was, there does come to a point where you need to remove uh, any leader from leadership, especially in the faith community, mm-hmm. based upon, you know, Poor behavior, or in this case, sin, and and right. an unre- and an unwillingness to change. Correct that, at that point, right? And and that that's almost that's almost definitive of an unrepentant heart. I mean, he might have been sorry in those moments, like, oh man, but I messed repentive. up again, right? right. right. And, and I think that that's that's a key for for a pastoral leader. Okay, well let's to, let's to not let's not camp that. out there forever. But sure. yeah, that, that, that that was a big thing to happen over the summer. Yeah. Uh, anything else for you, Marv? You uh, you know saw out in the culture or um, in your own life? What you know a good thing in the summer? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I something personally, I, you know, I've been having seizures, and uh, I was able to actually have uh, medicinal help into stopping those seizures, and actually has brought more focus and i've been writing more and i've been able to to have a lot more okay? ability yeah yeah i totally know about fine. this oh. yeah, everybody they, here had a shocked look on their face <laughs> yeah they're they're called complex partial seizures so they're not like they're not debilitating i don't like go out and start rolling on the floor but it, it really hinders my ability for cognition and speech like for about 10 15 seconds i wow. i'm completely blank and i can't say or or do anything and it happened twice while i was preaching so that's really embarrassing oh, oh um, man yeah, so like, because if uh, it happens on the show, we kind of like when you go blank. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm it's, kidding. We're kidding. No, we love you. We love I, you, and I, that's I the first I've heard too. of it. It's, so. it's all, it's all silly banter. But, but since I've had this new dose of medication, I've been totally fine. So that happened this summer, and uh, I, I'm super excited to not have to worry Good about to that anymore. That is great, that's great man. Well, I'll go next. Uh, a couple things. Uh, uh, personally, I just went. I went camping this summer. That was fun. So good times awesome. there. Good times with the kiddos and uh, good, good, refreshing summer. Uh, culturally, let's say I, I didn't know if you guys have seen this, and I, I think I asked you guys already, but I was really into watching the show Stranger Things mm. this summer. Marv, did you see Stranger Things? You know, I, it's on my Netflix queue, but I've not yet watched. Oh, it. you guys got to check this show out. It is a throwback to. 
80s movies, kids, like um, Goonies, E.T. It's kind of <laughs> got all the feel in it, but it's really well done, really well scripted. It's 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 awesome show. So that was a cool show thing. I was trying to think of uh, one like in the religious community thing that happened um you had the whole donald trump going to the black church service oh what an idiot which (laughs) well okay well don't don't hold back there so um (laughs) i never will hold back when it comes to that lunacy (laughs) so so you know you had that whole like well the black church and the black church is the voice of the conscience of america they said all these kind of things and it was very interesting to me i'm not saying i'm a trump supporter by any stretch of the imagination but but interesting to see that dialogue in our culture about the black church and and its role in culture so that would be something that i would pick out from the summer i honestly can't remember much of it that's kind of the way the summer goes not because i was intoxicated or anything like i'm not i don't have a problem i don't have a problem i'm not a drinker so uh what are you doing <laughs> Marv, are you are you in the bathroom? No. <laughs> okay. Of course not. All right. So, Mar- okay. so Mike, what about you? Yeah, man. Just good summer. You know, since we last met, just a couple of vacations. Took Rochelle down to the beach, just the two of us for a week, which was awesome. Right. And then Ooh, you're family. romantic on this show. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can ask my uh, wife how yeah. romantic I am or not. <laughs> um, no, good. Rochelle, trip. if you're listening to this, <laughs> which you probably don't, because it's your husband. <laughs> by this point, you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't do a little family time, so that was good. Good time to just kind of unplug for a while and trying to dig out right now and get plugged back in for the fall and, you know, that schedule with kids. So family life was good. Did a good time Anything there. in culture or no, I mean, the denomination world. that I'm a part of, I'm part of the United Methodist Church, and there's definitely some uncertainty as to the future. Yeah, the they had a pretty so. exciting summer with all of the homosexual debate. Yeah, there's there's debate around um, same-sex marriage. Yeah, I'll make you talk about it. <laughs> so there is. There is. And... Uh, and also scripture and what what does scripture say the authority of scripture which is the primary issue uh, in that issue that's just being expressed through the issue of sexuality among other areas as well so one of the neat things about the United Methodist Church is there there is diversity of thought um, but it looks like we're getting to a point where um, we're not going to be able to find the unity uh, the path through so that's that's an ongoing story it will be I think it will be something in the news you'll see over the next year to two years probably something we'll talk about on here and and Marv can you know Marv will talk about it if he's not busy making lunch yeah Yeah. Uh, (laughs) whatever he's doing Marv's not with us in studio today he is he is at home watching the kiddos he'll be here soon though but uh, so uh, John what about you so uh so personally, this summer, uh, one of the things, a couple of things, one of the things that we did with our family, we went to family camp. Yes, which family, is, camp. family camp, which is awesome. Like throwback, throwback, John. Yeah, I love it. It is. I mean, it's it was it was awesome. Our kids love it. It's you know, it's a great time to be together as family. It's a good time to, you know, uh, be in God's word together. It's a great time to be in God's creation together. Um, so just the, a, this is a word of this is a sponsorship or whatever. It is, I, yeah. Go to family camp. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. It's awesome. You know, I, I went a couple times growing up as a kid and, you know, had a great time, but wasn't something that we did as a family. And then last year, we kind of, uh, at the 
at the encouragement of actually friends of ours, we're like, hey, let's go together to family camp. And sounds good. What did you learn from time. that, John? Like, what was it? I mean, that that is like old school. It is old, school. right? It's old school. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, you know, family's a hot topic in culture, right. obviously. And and what what did you find like going back to family camp as a family? What what was it? Well, I think it helps to kind of. Um, there's, I think there's some good connection points there, you know, yeah. connection points with your kids, connection point with your spouse. There's those things. Uh, I think it also helps to kind of reset some patterns. I mean, you know, I mean, um, I think like all families, we find it hard to find time to to have, you know, family time in the word, right. to, you know, or family worship as sometimes it's called or, you know, de- you know family devo- devotions or whatever you want to call it. And it helps kind of reset some of those patterns because um, you're there, and that's part of what the family camp experience is. I mean, um, to you know, to to be together and, and to do that together, and um, have other teaching as well. So, um, yeah. So I, it's just, it's one of those oh, things I think that it's awesome. just really helpful for families to to experience together. Cool. What about out in culture or the or the Christendom world? Any well, anything in, in that, my yeah. small, very small corner of, the, <laughs> of Christendom, uh, which is the uh, Presbyterian, Presbyterian Church in America. Um, <laughs> is it cold there? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're frozen. frozen. You're frozen. <laughs> that's frozen. Right. Yeah, that's right. Even in the summer. Yeah. Even in the summer, yeah. they don't loosen up, huh? Right. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, we oh, were. We we, we actually had our what's called our general assembly in Mobile, Alabama. So it was actually kind of kind of hot. Yeah, um, I bet. <laughs> Alabama but, uh, in the summer. Yeah. But one of, the, one of the great things that came out of that, um, the, the PCA, which is the Presbyterian Church in America, came out of uh, the more mainline denomination years ago. And, you know, there were there were things like what Mike was just talking about in terms of, you know, kind of issues around scripture and things like that that sure. caused them to leave. But there was also some baggage there as well that um, there's some uh, churches and, and uh, pastors who left over cultural issues such as desegregation and things like that. Okay. And so the, so the Presbyterian Church was kind of in, in all those talks in the 60s and, and early on, they were pretty pretty deep into that right and so and so you know the one some of the churches that left at that time you know had some very kind of you know you know racist policies and things like that i mean where they wouldn't they barred african-americans from worship and things like that and so as a denomination mostly in the south mostly in the south okay okay yeah but so as a but since you know our denomination is a re is a national church and we have a lot of churches in the south it had really never been addressed. We had never really confessed that sin. We had never done anything like that. So this summer, we we publicly and as as a bo- as one church body together confessed you know that that sin that there is a you know and that you know generally generationally we've sinned against our wow. uh, our so, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so you were a part of that. I was part of that. Yeah, Very which cool. was really cool. Uh, it was a it was a sweet time. I mean, and your book's doing really well. The book that you contributed, yeah, to called again called Helis Emmanuel. Helis Emmanuel. Yeah. Go to Amazon and pick it up. Exactly, it's an awesome book. I love it. I love your chapter. Thank you. It was amazing. I haven't um, read it yet. Thanks. Yeah, for yeah, I will. <laughs> hey, <laughs> take we, your word. It's great. We, we we value transparency and honesty here. Yeah. So thanks, Mike. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, it was a great book. Pick it up. Thank Helis you. Emmanuel. Yeah, um, really, awesome. really good. Especially 
in the dialogue in the country right now. Right. There was a lot of race dialogue yeah, over the summer. Exactly. Um, so that's yeah. anything else culturally or anything else you want to throw out there? No, I think that's good for it now. All right, cool. Well, it was a long, hot summer here in Pittsburgh. It's still, it it's 88 degrees or something today <laughs> in the middle of September. So Sweaty. It has been a long, hot summer. And we, humid. We have missed all of you, but we're glad to be back. And, you know, uh, as, as we transition into the fall, um, for students and, and, and people going kind of back to school, it's and around here it's high school football, it's Steelers football. Pine Richland Rams, yes. baby. Yeah, it's not... I, which I heard Pine Richland has the number one recruit in the country. They do, man. He's here, the quarterback. Mm. So uh, it, I, we know it's not a fun time around Cleveland because, as I <laughs> as I read today, as I read They're today, someone out of the playoffs. Yeah, I read that today. Someone said because of the Broncos winning last night <laughs> that the Browns have been mathematically eliminated <laughs> from the playoffs. Which is I, epic. That's I don't epic. know if I told you I'm a champion right now. <laughs> yeah, National Basketball Association. So we have height. <laughs> We have high school. Fo- we have children on our podcast now. We have high. School, we have high school football. Uh, we have just everybody going back to sports. And and here in Pittsburgh, we live in a sports craze society. And um, and our title of our podcast today is Sports Idol, um, where we're going to look at some of these things. We have a great guest, Nathan Whitaker. If you don't know that name, you probably do in a little way because he's written the top books in the sports autobiography world. In the country, I happen to know him from my days in Florida, but but Nathan's written Tony Dungy's books. I mean, number one bestseller. His first book sold a million copies. So, I mean, how does that happen? So awesome. amazing. So so uh, Nathan is is going to be with us. But before he comes out, you know, this whole topic of sports and uh, maybe uh, what place sports is in America and kind of uh, the whole culture around that. Let's talk about real quick because this is going on right now in our culture and it has been over the last couple of weeks is um, is Colin Kaepernick uh, and Kaepernick deciding to not stand for the national anthem during games in order to protest injustices in America towards the African-American community sure. through um, police violence or other uh, ways that there are injustices. And so I just want you guys to weigh in on what do you think about this? So Kaepernick does not stand, and it started to spread to other athletic uh, sure. events and people using this as a platform for protest of these things. So we'll start with you, John. Um, what do you think about it? Um, you know, I, th- I think I I see both sides of, of the of the issue, so to speak. I, I mean, I and I you know feel like in some ways. There's a disrespect there, but in other ways, I understand that, you know, we have those rights, right? We're not, you know, we're not like in North Korea where we're forced to stand for, sure, yeah, you know, to honor, you know, the country. Um, you know, I also think that sometimes we probably go too far in the way that we honor the country, and worship right? the country, worship the yeah, country, yeah, um, worship for sure. So we want to be careful there as well. That was interesting when, you know, when the whole thing was going down. I saw a meme on uh, on Facebook where it showed a picture of I think it was the the Senate or the uh, or the House of Representatives. Oh, I think it's House that. Representatives, and like it was during the the Pledge of Allegiance, Pledge of Allegiance, and like every like almost everybody was sitting down. <laughs> 
<laughs> nobody was paying attention to what was going now, on. See, that, I have a real problem with that. If you're an elected official <laughs> right, right, and you yeah, are serving right. the country, exactly. I think you should have to stand for, if you're protesting right. or you're just too <laughs> stinking lazy to get up, right. or and then you shouldn't serve in government if you're protesting the government you are the government i mean yeah. i mean they weren't protesting anything it was just it was just showing how right, they were late little happened. respect they had yeah, no respect right? so let me, you said something to me yeah. about colin kaepernick yeah. before we came on you said um you you had no problem with colin uh you uh, expressing his right right his right to first protest amendment right. first amendment right to protest but then something you saw oh. during the right so so i you know he i didn't really have a problem with him sitting down during the national anthem um and or taking a knee or taking a knee right yeah, yeah. right i don't I didn't have a real problem with that what i did have a problem with was when i saw his interview with the media like afterwards when he was addressing why he was doing it and things like that and he's wearing a fidel castro t-shirt <laughs> right i mean to me that just seems like <laughs> the most you, impressive dictator in the western uh, hemisphere right yeah i mean yeah. it seems like you you're missing the, that's interesting the point right you're missing you're you're, you're maybe t- you're to an extent tone deaf no doubt in our culture there is some systematic racism oh absolutely. And, ha- and obviously oh, absolutely. we have a long history of racial uh you know racial uh discrimination we have in our country a long history of that right so absolutely. if you don't think that you're naive and and kind of you've got a blind eye sure but at the same time to protest but then wear a shirt where you're supporting supporting one of the most oppressive people that have oppressed all kinds of people right uh, is pretty hypocritical yeah, at exactly best. Um, and, and it's interesting because we've just had a, a Cuban refugee couple join our join our congregation through, through they're baptized they became became believers were baptized and just you know I mean they were of the social elite so they actually had you know they were professors there so they had actually had some freedoms that others didn't but they just even the exp- the experience of the oppression that they experienced you know even in the quote social elite um, and they weren't always a part of that you know having grown up in in poor type of situations and and seeing the oppression that and having him sure, having right. them talk about that it was just it was just even more real to me like right. To, to hear this guy talking about the oppression so, in so, our country and <laughs> to be yeah. standing there. So would know. we say, would we say generally, I think Mike, you weigh in on this too, would we say that generally, I would guess what we've talked a little bit about is we obviously support people's right to protest or speak their mind because, because um, we as pastors, we appreciate that that same right protects us to stand in a pulpit on a Sunday or whenever to speak our mind freely. What what I think is that there's there's civic law in play here and there's moral law in play here as well. Certainly civically, uh, Colin Kaepernick has the freedom to do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to sit, stand, kneel during, turn around, whatever he wants to do, (laughs) Do he can go do that. And you could actually say that uh, it was effective. Mm -hmm. His message got out there. Absolutely. Uh, His jersey is the third highest selling jersey in the NFL right now for a sub-average quarterback. (laughs) in the NFL. He's not that good. He's He's become a symbol. Yeah, he, um, so, I mean, as a player, he's, he's not selling jerseys, but he's become a, a marketing piece for that as well. So it has been effective. And by the way, any kind of, anytime you make a social statement, uh, you're going to cause waves. So, no, he's, he's picked it. it wouldn't be a social statement. It It wouldn't be a protest. It wouldn't be. Or it just wouldn't be an effective time to do it. So, uh, yeah, it's going to raise some ears. Now, so, 
civically, he, he should have the freedom to do that, certainly. Morally is the question that we often have to ask ourselves with. And sometimes we want to lump these things together. What is morally right and what is civically right? right. You know, Mark, if you were drowning and I was sitting on the dock next to you and I didn't extend a hand to pull you out of the water, that would be morally wrong. Right, but, but I would, I, you wouldn't go to prison for I would it. not go to prison. It would right. not be wrong for me to do that. And so that's they where write I write you a fine. Part of the question is, <laughs> they just need is money. morally, is it the right time to make that statement? Is it, is it the right place to make that statement? And I think some right. people are trying to, to say that and ask that question. Right. Right. And there's people, you know, and again, there's, the, I mean, I've been to baseball games, football games, uh, where they play the anthem. It's really weird they, at the drive-in here. They play the anthem. It's a little awkward. Oh, really? uh, like, we're going to watch a movie on Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. We're going to play the Everyone national stand. anthem. They do. I'm serious. I'm not joking. Old school, man. They do. Yeah, it's old school. <laughs> Even the graphics they put up are old school, like sure. old school black. Black and white flag, you know, sure. black and white footage. Right. You go to the um, baseball sure. game or football. There's people not paying attention. There's people not standing. Most right. people stand, but some people are talking or not paying right. attention. So there's a disrespect there. And the question is, should I have to respect the flag in those moments? Because, frankly, a lot of people have paid the ultimate price to protect that. Most but definitely. Not, not the flag itself. So the Colin Kaepernick could make millions of dollars being yes. a backup quarterback and stand right. there freely. See, uh, can, can I interject yeah. my thoughts on this a little yep. bit? Sure. I, I think that, uh, you know, for me, I, I think his point, and, and if you, you can definitely connect this with some of the interviews that he said, is like, yeah, okay, there are people who fought for freedom, but I'm not experiencing the fullness of that freedom, so why would I stand for something I'm not fully receiving. Now, he's I not mean, protesting them. He's not protesting soldiers. No, right. not at all. And I think that that's where, you know, like, it, whenever I posted something about this, the only people who complain about it, honestly, were white my white friends. Right. That, that's it. And so you look at that and you say, okay, well, if white people are ticked off, why are they ticked off? Why are they the only ones that are mad? Why are they right. the only ones who are fighting for the rights of our soldiers? And there's right. black soldiers, too. And the people there's that are tons veterans of black are not. Right. I mean, like, so so when you look at that, you say, okay, he touched a nerve with white people. And so he, he's pointing out some of these ideals, whether or not he's persecuted people like, well, he makes millions of dollars, blah, 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 whatever. Like, I understand that, but he's a public figure. He had an opportunity to do something publicly in front of millions of people that most black people don't have the ability to do. Right. And the majority of the people that are actually at the stadium may be actually white. And so he's saying, like, look, open up your eyes. There's there's something going on in our country. And so if, if the only people that are ticked off are white, I think that says something. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's a racial, uh, obviously a racial. It component. definitely makes a statement. It definitely makes a statement. The statement was heard, but does it does it actually provide a solution? I don't. You know. And that's you know. Part of the and you live. Too. I mean, look, we live in a country where you have the right to burn a flag sure. if you want. I, I'm not. I believe me. I yeah. don't. I'm not sure. sure I do. W- believe it should go that far. I don't know. I mean, there's there's something about you are a citizen of this country. Um, to burn the flag almost to me is even more disrespectful. Certainly, yeah, than is even more her. disrespectful. I know. Again, that's where we go into freedom. Do I have the freedom to do whatever I want? No. I mean, there's laws, civil freedom, but moral freedom. It's probably not moral. Right. It's not morally great. Yeah. I mean, so, obviously, it's not a moral point. wrong to burn a flag, but. But I don't know if I honestly. I mean, I've asked that question. I don't know if we should have the freedom to burn the flag of our country. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. 
Well, hey, we're going to talk. We're going to talk to Nathan about this, and when we come back, we're going to bring Nathan Whitaker in. You're going to want to stick around. He's a, a a great guy to weigh in on sports and our sure. culture, and whether that's become an idol in our culture and all all things sports. And uh, so, hey, stick around. We're glad you're back. We're glad to be back. Glad you're back with us to kick off the fall here on Post Christian Pastors. Don't go anywhere. Sins of the cosmic bondage I'm writing this to tell you of the news The vultures conspired to kill the lion When darkness fell, they hung him by a noose Alright, welcome back here on Post-Christian Pastors And uh, it's really, I'm really excited to introduce our next guest uh, his name is Nathan Whitaker, and he's coming at us today from Gainesville, Florida. And uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan's a friend of mine. I've known him for a few years. And, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He uh, is an author, and he is, his first book, his first book he wrote was, um, he wrote it with Tony Dungy. It's called Quiet Strength, and that book sold over a million copies. I want some of that mojo. <laughs> so first <laughs> book, I want that first mojo book from he my writes, book. First book he writes uh, goes all the way, New York Times bestseller, number one book. His third, fourth, and fifth books, though, only reach number two oh. on the New York oh, Times. Disappointing. Time. I'll take even Come some on. of that mojo. <laughs> two books did reach number one. Number two book, I think, uh, uh, something hit number one, and the sixth book only went to number six on Man. the New York Times bestseller. <laughs> Champion so, or nothing at all, Nathan. <laughs> so, right, it's all been downhill. Yeah. <laughs> so he wrote books about he wrote books with Tony Dungy and Tim Tebow. Uh, before that, he was uh, he worked uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars and he worked for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, he went to Duke, played two sports at Duke uh, under Steve Spurrier, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So under Steve Spurrier, um, he worked at the church that I worked at, Van Dyke United Methodist Church, for a little bit, and uh, just an all-around uh, great guy. Uh, he did. He did in his bio. He did call himself that he. Uh, he let us know he was voted by his peers as the person most likely to be standing alone, lost and awkward <laughs> at a cocktail party. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, that is Nathan Whitaker. How you doing, Nathan? I'm doing great, thanks. Good to hear from you, Mark. It's good to hear from you. Thanks for joining. I've wanted to have you on for a long time and finally uh, got you on and excited to uh, to tell kind of your story and, and talk about sports. And um, I, I want to tell the the story of when, when uh, you first got into being an author. And, and again, correct me if I get this story wrong, but you uh, were working for the Buccaneers, and then when Tony Dungy left the Buccaneers, you were let go by the Buccaneers, as like all the staff was let go by the Buccaneers. And then you spent, I think it was a year or more, uh, working on a book about coaching. And you were you have a lot of friends who are coaches, college, high school, pro coaches, and Tony was one of them. And I remember you going to Indianapolis for like training camp and stuff like that. And you were writing this book and trying to get it published and uh you know hit some roadblocks there and then uh and then and then indianapolis won the super bowl and at the time you were working at van dyke church and actually the the day after the super bowl i believe it was either monday or tuesday after the super bowl our staff had a birthday lunch and we were at lunch 
and the phone rings and it was Tony Dungy calling from Disneyland, <laughs> Dis- Disney World, Disneyland, Disney which Disney, Disney World, yes. calls from World. Disney World yeah. in Orlando and you're at lunch and you answer the phone and we're all there and uh, every, you know, Tony's beloved in Tampa and where we were at and so everybody's like, congratulations, Tony, and everybody's screaming and, and you were leaving that lunch and going up to Orlando to talk to Tony about writing a book about his life and uh, and the rest is history. Now, I, do I got that right or is that pretty close? It's very close. Yes, you were. Um, it was it was actually three years of uh, trying to write a book and being unemployed. Oh, yeah, wow. so it was th- and, I didn't realize. OK. And then that last year, though, was when you guys at the church hired me and in what I call a mercy hiring <laughs> where you guys brought me on to run the the men's and men and women's ministries yeah. into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was such that, you know, as you recall, I got that call at lunch from Tony saying he would go ahead and, and do the book and Yeah. And uh, and I basically resigned at lunch on the phone. <laughs> and and I think awesome. you guys were happy to see me go. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't remember the resigning part at so, lunch. So it was a celebration lunch. Is that what you <laughs> Yeah, we were, at, we were at a Mexican restaurant, I think. And we, uh, we got we the were. call. And Adios. You, and you went up there. And how, how long? You wrote that book in how many weeks? Uh, 24 days. Wow. You, wow. Oh, you wrote it in 24 days. Mm-hmm. And it was wow. published. How how much? How quickly after that? And then it, it came out uh, three months later. Wow! And sold over a million copies. And that's quiet strength. Well, was that that? There are three million in print. Oh, uh, so oh, wow! Nice. My uh, yeah. unbelievable story, man! Unbelievable story. I'm glad I actually got it right. Yeah. So that's yeah, cool. amazing that your life took that turn and uh, and went that direction and. Uh, awesome to see the success with that book and the success after that. Um, let me ask you about, so Tony Dungy, a, a beloved figure here in Pittsburgh also, uh, right. with, with deep ties to Pittsburgh. Um, my, my question is, what was, so Tony just went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, what was that, you were with him for that whatever, three or four days or whatever it was. What was that like? Take us into that, those moments and tell us a little bit about that journey that week going into the Hall of Fame. You know, it's it's so fun to be around somebody like Tony, um, so gracious, so humble. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit off point, but but when Tony's first book came out, he had a chance to go on the entire media circuit, and and we were at the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and he was in the green room and realized John Travolta was also on that night, and so we were taking photos of Tony as he's pointing to Travolta's dressing room. And, <laughs> and the Hall of Fame was kind of like that all over again, where Tony was, Tony had this sense of, wow, this is so cool. I can't believe I'm here. Hmm, right. And, and it's just so fun and refreshing to be around somebody like that. He had, he had everybody from his high school coach, college teammates, obviously Bucks and Colts players. And then I was... You know, and right behind me was Lovey Smith, who's now at the University of Illinois, but one of Tony's coaches in Tampa. And then next to Lovey and, and next to me were all these folks from a, a telephone Bible study that Tony does. Huh. Um, and a lot of these folks he hadn't met in person, and he's on this <laughs> weekly phone call. And so it was kind of this, uh, this is your life sort of thing with with the last 40 years of Tony's life. It was It was really special and really fun. 
that's awesome and 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 the speech was great that tony gave i got i got to watch the speech and then you came to pittsburgh a day that what the next day you came and caught a buckos game right i did nice you were in the best ballpark in america that's right. It's gorgeous. It, it <laughs> is gorgeous. amazing. It is amazing. So, I'm so not the best baseball team though in America currently. That's no, right. We are not the best baseball. We we can brag about the cotton candy, but just not the team. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. So over yeah. the so over the process of writing the book, um, that first book, and over these last six years, and this is the last question we'll ask you about Tony, because I I just want to talk about you and kind of some of the things. That you're doing, but what was the what was kind of besides Tony's humility, which which is something that you just talked about? What was some things you learned about him in the process of writing these? What's it been four, five, six books together now? Um, right. What what what's been some of the things you learned about him that you uh, admire or that you kind of taken as things lessons that you've learned? Well, you know, a couple of different lessons yeah first i'll give a lesson then i'll then i'll give insight into tony one of the lessons i learned uh, i actually was fired uh, two years after tony was so tony was fired by the bucks and then i was there two years under gruden and then i was fired and and i was really bitter for quite a long time uh, after tony's firing you know it, it was such a good place to work he was doing everything for the right reasons and and we're working on tony's first book and and I'm getting to the part where he's fired and and I'm saying so you know all right so share some of the feelings of of bitterness um you know and and anger and stuff and Tony's shaping the narrative (laughs) right right and Tony's saying uh you know what I told you is is how I felt that that God needed to close that door in Tampa and needed me somewhere else and if that door stayed open I was never going to leave so um and I said, well, right, right, right. I, yeah, I get that. I, we already got that part of the story, but <laughs> the emotion. And Tony's saying, well, if the Lord needed that door shut, then what's there to be bitter about? Oh. And, and and here I am looking at Tony going, wait, I've been bitter on your behalf for six years. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow. And, and just remarkable. You know, he takes such a, you know, a... a Lord first view as far as, you know, here's how is my faith shaping this? Where does my faith fit into this? And and because that infuses everything he does, it, it really is so genuine and sincere. And and so that was a great takeaway for me. Um, one of the things about Tony, and I don't know if this is at all what you're asking, but one of the things that I thought was really um, interesting in working with him and then working on the book with him is that Tony's known for being the calm guy and the nice guy and and all those things which are true and and are have great value in and of themselves and for whatever reason you know he's never known as as the genius and at least not the way other other coaches kind of mm-hmm. have that moniker yeah, and um, sure. and he is so doggone smart and he can remember you know, I've, I've heard him talk to coaches and they'll say, you know, what about if we brought the linebacker here and did this when the tight end and he'll say, wait, do you remember five years ago we tried that, but the Lions did this and we <laughs> and they're saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, yeah, it, was, it was the fifth game of the year. It was wow, in Detroit. Wow. And, and so he's got an amazing command. He, he goes through when we write a book together. His mom taught English for 20 years in uh, in the Michigan public school system and tony will go through and he'll redline my stuff he'll move passages around he'll change words and and uh to the point where i said to him one time i'm not sure you need me anymore (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and he said, thankfully, he said uh, that he's intimidated by the blank page. Once I give him something, he can actually make it decent. He uh, said, and uh, that, "Isn't that what he did?" In, and he did that in Tampa, and he did that in Indianapolis too. He uh, just, to re- reshape what was there. Yeah, yeah. he just made yeah. it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those would those would be a couple of my takeaways about Tony. One one thing I learned, and then one insight about him. Very very cool. Great, Nathan. I'd like to turn your attention maybe to something more current. And Colin Kaepernick. Tell me a little bit about your opinion of him and the position that he's taken more recently here in the NFL. Well, if you can't find any any sort of hotter button issue, I guess we can talk about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> I thought that was a non-issue right now. Yeah. Right. Well, you were so deeply involved in every, I mean, a lot of aspects of football behind the scenes, pro football. Like, sure. I, you know, I, I guess looking for your insight of how you would have, how you would approach that or how you would have felt, feel about that personally. Right. Well, I think one of the challenges is, um, is trying to figure out, um, where, where Colin's responsibilities as a team member and an employee stand, and and vice versa. You know, it sounds like the uh, Seahawks are talking about doing something as a group. Um, you know, I think it's hard, and, and sometimes you see that with some with players making comments on certain issues and and the like. That the clubs are are thinking. You know, I, I'm not sure we want to we want to be in this area or speaking out on this, whatever the issue might be. Um, and yet he feels like, hey, this is my platform. This is what uh, this is what I should be doing, and this is my responsibility. And so I can see where it would be uncomfortable um, for the 49ers potentially, and for uh, him and his teammates. And um, you know, ultimately, I think he's he's navigating it. He's, he's certainly very articulate when he tries to express what he's thinking. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is is interesting when you look at the um, the WNBA team. Sure. And um, and and they, I guess, played the anthem early. Did you see that? <clears throat> no, I didn't see that. Um, the the Washington Spirit, maybe. Um, I think that's who it was. Uh, anyway, somebody played the anthem early, and to make sure that that one of their team uh, one of their team members didn't have a chance to kneel, and so they <laughs> kind of jumped the gun wow. and uh, and caught her off guard. Interesting. Uh, that's just going to make it worse. I would have just kneeled anyways. Yeah. In the middle of yeah. it. And so I'm wondering, and I, I must admit I didn't look at it, so maybe they played it while they're still in the locker room. Mm. Uh, right. and, oh, and I yeah. Think, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, then the club's getting into, you know, I, I'm not sure that the forced, um, I, it seems more helpful to have a dialogue than sure. to um, than to take some sort of measures like that. I don't know. It's a, it's a, I would see where some folks would be uneasy about it. And, um, and it's, you know, the irony of, um, of the flag and the veterans and speech and all that stands for sure um weighed against um exercising that speech <laughs> is uh you know there's certainly some irony in there as well yeah um nathan this is john price um kind of along the same lines but from a maybe a different athlete who's in the news uh, this week as well tim tebow um you know Different, different topic, different reason in terms of maybe why he's so polarizing. But uh, uh, how is your take on the way that he's perceived? Um, maybe keep, even keeping in line with what we just talked about, Colin Kaepernick, sure. and that way that that teams kind of look at him maybe as is this is this is this good for the team or is this good for the organization in terms of how outspoken he is? 
Yeah, I my perception of of clubs' responses to Tim um, has been less with respect to his uh, speech and him being outspoken, and more with respect to some extent to his fan base. Oh, okay, hmm. and that is, um, I, I I talked to a couple of coaches several years ago who said we've got a young quarterback or we've got an aging quarterback or we've got whatever, but we, we think we might have, or we're hoping we have, or the answer already on our roster. And so does Tim make us better? Does he make the locker room better? Absolutely. Mm. And would bring him in make sense football wise. Absolutely. Are we going to have billboards around town in three weeks uh, telling us to bench our, our young and possibly emotionally fragile quarterback who we're trying to develop? Or hmm. maybe, hmm. and so and so that was some of the feedback um, I heard from people was um, they they feared that the whole billboard thing that happened in uh, Denver and other places they said you know we just don't want that and we don't need it for a guy who's uh, you know a development uh, kind of project. Sure. Huh. Yeah. So, so, what was it like being behind the scenes with Tim? I mean, you you wrote the book. You wrote the book with him. Uh, kind of give us some insight there. How did Tim handle that stuff? Like, how, how did he look at that stuff as he was going through it? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think if you just, um, you know, Tim's done a lot of interviews on what it was like to be around Nathan Whitaker. And, <laughs> yes. I saw those. <laughs> yeah, right. It's life-changing, I think, is what he said. Yes, <laughs> of course. That's awesome. Yes. And, he, and as I've told people who, you know, have criticisms of whatever they might, you know, folks will say they wish he was less outspoken or they wish he was, you know, more accurate, whatever. And the one thing I come back to is, look, you would love to hang around the guy. Hmm. Um, all that aside, you would love to be around him. And I've I've never met anybody who has been around him who hasn't really enjoyed him. Um, funny, um, occasionally snarky. Um, oh, then you liked him. <laughs> Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I read uh, your Facebook posts all the time. So. <laughs> Especially towards your wife. <laughs> well. In a good way. In a good way. Sure, sure. Yeah, you have a playful. It's fun. It's fun to read your stuff you post. Yes, and it, it seems to give people a, an, an avenue to pound on me even further. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's just very engaging. You know, the, the first night I was ever with him and, and his brothers in Denver, they had the film crew who had, you remember the documentary they made about Tim preparing for the draft? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were done with that. They were coming back out to Denver to, to show them some of the rough edits. And so they were in town as well. And so my wife actually texted me that night and just texted, how's it going? And I quickly texted her back and said, not now, and turned off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. About 45 minutes later, I call her back and, and I'm saying, you know, I'm so sorry and here's what was going on. And and I told her we were playing uh, Manhunt. We had turned out all the lights in the house. There were <laughs> 10 of us and we're basically playing hide and go seek and I'm hiding That's in his hilarious. brother's shower. And the, <laughs> So and you're the, right. Not now. Not now, honey. Right. The, the I'm in another man's shower. When, the, when my phone buzzed. And, I'm in uh, Team Tebow's shower. Not now. <laughs> right, right. That could be yeah. misinterpreted. Yeah. Don't don't go to print with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the kind of thing they did on right. That's you know cool. a, you know it's hard That's to get awesome. in trouble when your idea of a fun Friday night is playing Nerf guns with your brothers in right. the basement. That's fun. Yeah. Um, awesome. Or 
or playing hide and go seek with you know ten other alleged adults. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, alleged adult. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, yeah. just one one more question about about Tim. Having grown up as a Mets fan, I, I do, do root for the Pirates, and I'm living in Pittsburgh, but I'm still still follow the Mets. You know, he, he was just signed by the Mets. Uh, there's all this talk about what you know is this is this a real thing or is this just kind of a you know a you know a ploy so to speak. Um, what's your take on? on this uh, kind of expansion into baseball with Tim? Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they send him and what they do. But, but you know, Mike Piazza went in, what, the, the 33rd round? or the And and my point there is not that he's going to be the next Mike Piazza, right. but that baseball has, a, has an amazingly egalitarian system for taking a ton of folks, putting them into the pipeline – and seeing what happens. Yep. Sure. And and so, you know, the fact that he came to them through some non-traditional means um, is all well and good. But you know, hey, when he plays, you know, instructional league, single A or whatever, either he's going to make contact or he's not. Right. And and we saw it with Jordan, and we've seen it, seen it with a bunch of you know first round picks and thirty eighth round picks. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. You know, t- thirteen years off from baseball is is a long time. Um, and it'll be interesting to see you. He's a, you know, can't question the work ethic and a uh, great ath- athlete. So, you know, we'll see. Sure. Yeah. Exciting. Very cool. Hey, uh, I had a quick question, kind of kind of shifting gears. This is Marv Nelson. Um, hey, Marv. Hey, uh, you, you know, Youth Sports in America is, is one of those things that consistently gets a lot of attention um, for good or for ill. Uh, but, but one of the things that I think many people are seeing, especially in, like, areas – this may be geographically biased, but, like, areas like Texas or something like that, uh, high school football uh, especially becomes such a, a huge deal that it almost becomes an idol so my question for you is do you think youth sports in america is a good thing or has it become a huge idol for many people well i think anytime cheerleaders moms are trying to kill other cheerleaders (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a problem yeah (laughs) absolutely um no i so i think look most of the lessons i learned in life growing up i learned through sports coaches were some of my most influential uh, mentors growing up learned a lot about uh, perseverance and and other lessons in life um, that came through sports. And I've got daughters right now who are engaged in different activities and and am hoping and trying to make sure that they take away some of those lessons. Yeah. Now, one of the points that I thought was important to try to make through Tim's book um, was this idea that that they made sure they went to church and did other things and if that meant he skipped a sunday morning travel game then they skipped it mm-hmm. and it's good that he played different sports year round and and i get the whole peak performance ten thousand hour right. and right. and that makes sense um then again talking to the um university of florida tennis coach here men's tennis coach he said that his best tennis players are guys who grew up playing other things as well, soccer, baseball, other things. And they've got their bodies. He said their bodies are trained to move in different ways than the kids who they can serve and volley. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you, you, you know, you have, you played uh, collegiate sports. Um, you know what it takes to play collegiate sports. Um, 
I play collegiate sports and just looking at it saying uh, what I as a pastor now I'm on the other side of it and I look at it and say I look at it and say I just think it's really funny that you just lumped yourself in with all these world class athletes no you know, I, I played did not sports. <laughs> I played Tim Tebow played sports, sports. <laughs> you weren't the same I went right. to a private Christian school and played sports <laughs> alright let's hold on we're the same <laughs> let's be let's be clear I'm not saying that I was on the level of Tim Tebow or anything like this but that's you said you played collegiate sports and I Whitaker. played that's one all. athlete no, to another on. let's hold talk <laughs> This is awesome. I like this group. Yeah, <laughs> they're jagoffs. So. That's a Pittsburgh. Okay, so word. here's the thing. So, and, and what I was trying to say is that we both know what it takes. Yes, you know <laughs> what it awesome. takes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's enlighten all these other sloths on the table. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, keep going. So we know what it takes to, to, to do. I'm going to keep going with this. You guys can keep laughing. But it, 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 we know, you know the commitment. You know the work that you got to put in. And what I'm trying to say is it seems like for kids who are 10 years old, it's so much even more than what it was when I played or you played. Like the things are exponentially the requirements and the pressure and the time commitment is that that's where that question comes from is like is it an idol i mean you're a follower of jesus um how do you like you're raising two kids you know how in this culture do you keep them you know i, I hear parents say a lot of times well if they don't do this they don't do this they're gonna have to sit they're gonna they're not gonna be at the same level of everybody else and they will sacrifice their yeah. kids spiritual growth uh for for sports and not just their spiritual growth they'll sacrifice yeah, family they'll like, sacrifice everything it's all marriage they'll sacrifice yeah. their relationship <laughs> so that was the yeah. heart of my question i'm the one that asked the question yeah, yeah. <laughs> what What's do you it, think about that what how do you <laughs> yeah how do you do that right since your question started eight minutes ago i'm trying to remember the beginning of it um no, I, I think you're. I think you're right, and and let me just be clear from the beginning that I appreciate also being lumped in with Tebow and Dungey. <laughs> uh, We're all in there together, Nathan. Right. It's a one We're big happy family. <laughs> yes, let's just say you and I are both toward the same end of the spectrum. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I think that's a. I think that's a. It's certainly a danger. And yeah. and we certainly seem to be able to move to excess. I don't know if that's a that may be a modern phenomenon. I have a feeling if we talked to people twenty years ago that they would have areas in which they thought people were moving to excess and, and putting that ahead of yeah. um, the things that matter. But um, but I think that's certainly one as parents that we have to keep an eye on, and it, sports are part of it. But but there are plenty of other things that are trying to grab our kids and grab their attention. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we do have to have to check and keep an eye on and understand our heart and our children's hearts and um, and monitor. I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's something that's important in sports and other areas to well, make sure that we are 
we are keeping first things first and our priorities in line and helping our children understand that. Nathan, something you said earlier on about answering that question eight minutes ago, um, <laughs> you, you talked about you know, how, how it taught you discipline and these different things. I remember Mike Tomlin, he does this thing called Man Up uh, Pittsburgh every year, and he shares his testimony of his coach, who's kind of like a surrogate mm-hmm. father to him, that was able to instill you know manly traits and ideals into Tomlin. Uh, in a time when he had a, like a father that wasn't doing that, and so, so I mean, I think that there is kind of a give and take. I think that there are some students who need to make it that important because there are there are men who are loving these young men in a way that they wouldn't have been loved at home. So I mean, like I, you know, my question was you know definitely to the point of of idling the the sports, but I think there's also a deep, rich. Um, history of, of young men becoming boys because of their their activity or their involvement in sports absolutely and and um you know and and there's so much that goes in in with it i think there's the mentoring aspect there's the building into people's lives aspect but then there's also just the you know that i, I being left on the mound three batters longer than i should have mm-hmm. right yeah. and and you learn the sun comes up tomorrow, and you learn that eventually you'll get that final out, and and you may have lost, and you may have gotten shelled, and whatever. But we can learn and move on from that. And and but you know part of that too is is um, making sure as parents or coaches or whatever that we help make sure the kids understand that lesson, that bigger the bigger point, um, and what they can take away from it in life. That it wasn't. A moment of failure, or maybe it was a moment of failure, but that, that doesn't have to be final. Right, and you can learn sure. from failure. So exactly. So let me ask you. So you um, you do a lot of talks, and you're you're around a lot of professional athletes or coaches, and you do a lot of talks on leadership, and and um, you come at it from a Christian perspective. And I'm just curious, like what what are some of the what's some of the advice you give to either coaches, professional coaches, or athletes when it comes to their 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 walk with Christ in the midst of a, a very a culture that they're on a pedestal where they are every you know every moment of their life is Instagrammed or or tweeted or what is some of the advice that you give to um, the, the people that you are around and that you work with? Well, you know, a couple thoughts. So, somebody who's in a a position, if you will, of leadership, um, one of the things that I that I think is an important takeaway for for them, for anybody in a position of leadership, is that when you are a quote-unquote leader, you don't have to change who God made you to be. And that is, you know, we've had some wildly successful coaches um, to, who who behave in ways or, or relate to players in ways that I, I wouldn't be comfortable relating to players or behaving. Right. <laughs> and... And and part of what part of what Tony um, part of why he was willing to write the leadership book we wrote was that he wanted one of the takeaways to be when I when I was head coach of a team I didn't have to change who I was that mm-hmm. God created me to be quiet He created me to be a teacher He created me to build relationships and I didn't have to become somebody else in order to be effective and and he said look I mean if you're not created to be me, you don't have to become Tony Dungy to be a head coach, but you also don't have to become 
somebody else who the world holds up. Right. So that's one of the things I think is that we don't have to look at the world's model of leadership, if you will, um, and try to mold ourselves into that kind of coach or that kind of whomever. Yeah. Uh, related to that, that, that ties in, but is I think more broadly applicable is that when you look at John Maxwell's uh, definition of leadership, that it's influence. Influence, right. That means any of us can lead. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to wait until we're the head coach and doing whatever. We can influence people all the time and lead and use whatever platform we've got um, to help mold people. So again, if so then if you're doing that all along, then certainly when you're the head coach, you're not saying, well, now I'm taking on the, if, if you've already been, Acting as a leader, you don't have to act like you've taken on this mantle of leadership, and now I have to be the leader. Uh, <laughs> right. Yep. So I, I think those two things go hand in hand, and those are, I think, part of a couple of the takeaways for me. Good stuff. Well, well, Nathan, um, what are you up to these days? What what book are you working on, or what do you got going on? And uh, so, two final questions: that one, and then give us a prediction for the uh, NFL season. Give us a. Give us a prediction for uh, what you, how you think this is going to turn out. Well, I, I don't think that uh, Brian Billick is right that the Browns won't win a game. <laughs> Go Browns, baby. Yeah. City of champions right now. You understand right. that City we, we're, you're, in, you're in Steeler country. You're talking to guys in Steeler country, so we make fun of Mike all the time. But, <laughs> uh, but they might hey. win a game. That's true. <laughs> you know, and, and the Browns are a great example of um, what happens institutionally when you don't have a plan and stick to it? Yes. Um, that it that it makes it. Tony, as Tony often said, look, even if our plan in Tampa or Indy isn't a great plan, the fact that we've stuck with it for six years will always put us ahead of some teams, mm-hmm. like the Browns. Um, yeah, <laughs> like the Browns. All right. So, give a, you, so, so, so give I, us a prediction. So, what do you? So think? let me just say for 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 uh, um, who is it, Mike? Yes, yes, please. Yeah. So for Mike's stand, I think they're, I think it sounds to me like they're, they're putting a plan in place and better up. times are ahead. Amen. Uh, amen. Hope <laughs> on the horizon. Yes. Hope maybe springs not, anew. <laughs> maybe not 2016. I think, I think Pittsburgh's going to be strong. I think Mike yes. uh, will do his usual great job. Talk about a team of the plan, right? Three coaches yes. in the last 180 years. That's <laughs> 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 right. Uh, yeah. 2,000 years. If you want to go. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, uh, so uh, who do you, who are you going with? Who are you going with in the Super Bowl? Who do you got? I'm going to go Pittsburgh and Carolina, despite the loss Ooh, last night. As long as right. we got the Steelers in the Super Bowl too. As long as Cam uh, Newton's head is okay. Yeah, boy. Wow, that was. They need to protect him a little better. He both got racked. Offensive yeah. line and, and referee wise, they yeah. need to protect him better. Yeah. All right. So b- before we, I, I want you to give us uh, like your website and what you're. Oh, you're writing a book too, right? You're writing a book right now, right? Oh yes, I'm working on a sequel to my fiction book. We talked about the book that has three million in print. This one has uh, my first fiction book has three in print. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Hey, I'm ahead of you on that one. <laughs> so you're. A, so, I have a thousand. You got, you got to start somewhere, Nathan. <laughs> right. So you're working on a sequel to that book, which is called what? Can you tell it's us? It's called Fast Break. Fast Break? Was, yes. The first one was about football. This one's about basketball. Very cool. Uh, and then you're writing a book with Tony, too, right? And then Tony and I are working on one that has not been announced yet. But, oh. yes, we're working on another book. Mm, we won't. Yeah, we won't. We'll Good job, Mark. You just the broke the news. He's going to hear it here that. first at Post-Christian <laughs> Pastors. He's going to That's right. <laughs> okay, so here's what we do. I'm going to wrap up. We're going to play this game with you called 10 Bad Questions. Okay? 
So here's what we do. We, we ask 10 really bad questions, and you say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Hold so, on now. Hold on. You already asked me about Kaepernick and about six other bad questions. <laughs> oh, wow. I told you it was snarky. Those were the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Here come oh, the bad are, ones. These are really bad. <laughs> and Mark <laughs> always says, cue the music, even though there's no music. Yeah, well, I put it in post-production. Oh, right, right. So right. cue oh, the music. Okay. And uh, here we go. So you ready, Nathan? I'm going to ask you 10 bad questions. Say the first thing that comes to your mind, all right? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Question number one. We're just going to go around the table, too, after that. Question number one. If you could run your hands through Donald Trump's hair or Joe Olstein's hair, which one would you choose? Well, clearly, Olstein, Olstein, since people say I look like him. You do. Oh, I, was hoping, I was hoping you would say that. Yes, so you, so you, I know. You already run your hair through Joel Osteen's head, <laughs> right. li- figuratively. All right. So you're voting for Joel. You're voting for Joel. Sure. No Trump. Go. No Trump, uh, huh? Could make you feel better, that's for sure. <laughs> number two. All right, number two. Uh, you have 10 minutes with Kanye West. What are you talking about? Oh, gosh. Um, do I? All, I gotta fill all ten minutes. <laughs> well, actually, probably not, because Kanye will talk about Kanye for most of it. But go ahead. What would you, you want to talk about? Well, this is where I'm gonna invoke that I would be the guy standing alone in the corner at the cocktail party. <laughs> so I am dodging Kanye uh, for the whole time. Oh, you're not, you're not talking to Kanye. Well, Kanye will talk about himself without you. So there you go. So there you go. All right, number, all right, three. number three. You're not straight out of Compton, so you're straight out of. I'm straight out of Gainesville. Oh, <laughs> straight out of Gainesville. This is where I grew up. I oh, come back home. Nice. Yeah. All right, okay. question number four. Have you played Pokemon Go? <laughs> I have not, but I have gotten up out of my seat so that my daughter could capture what was there. Oh. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. You haven't, like, nice. almost run someone over. That, move, Dad. That, <laughs> move, <laughs> move, Dad. Well, it's not even move. It's, oh, I'm going to take a picture of that thing that's on you. And I'm like, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to move. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't, like, nearly run someone over that was walking across the street playing Pokemon Go? Airport a while. I have not. Uh, somebody no. Ran into me the other day playing Pokemon Go. Oh, you serious? Not in a car, no. but just like walking in the mall. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right, uh, number five. Uh, you have a teenage daughter, right? Yes. What is the worst time you embarrassed your teenage daughter? Um, I I emceed an event in Gainesville called A Night in the Big Apple uh, last January. Yep. And I decided the best way to emcee that would be to show up in the Fruit of the Looms Big Apple costume. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so. <laughs> she so surprise. <laughs> so she was the one standing in the corner. <laughs> Not cool. Right, you so. look like a Pokemon Go thing. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, the best part of that was that one of the event organizers for months afterwards would say, man, that was so funny when you dressed up like a radish. (laughs) And I kept saying, you realize the event was called Big... Oh, right, you were an apple. That's right, that's right. So So how long did it take her to get over that? Yeah, no, Hannah's still not very happy with it. (laughs) All right, number number six. uh, I don't know if you heard the news about Apple's new iPhone. Would you rather have AirBuds, the wireless earphones, or earbuds? No, AirBuds. Yeah. Did yeah, you say AirBuds? Yeah, oh, okay. Sorry. I would rather have AirBuds, the six furry dogs. Oh, <laughs> I knew he was going to go there. The, the, everybody went with the dog. Nice. Uh, what yeah. about AirBud? They AirBud the dog with AirBuds in his ears. <laughs> And there, perfect. Really yeah, I, I thought the picture looked ridiculous. I thought Bluetooth used to look 
goofy. Yeah. I'm, I'm yes. sure I can put that thing in my ear. Yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> All right, number seven. Have you watched Stranger Things? I watched two episodes and gave up. Oh, yeah. all right. You're well, the first person I've heard. I guess we won't ask the second part of the question. No, the second part we're going to say is if, if you watched it, what kid are you? What kid are you in Stranger Things? Oh, he doesn't I, remember. I, yeah, ho- I'm, I'm hoping I was one of the ones who was killed off early. Question number eight. Your next book is about anyone except a sports figure. Who do you write about? Wow. So you this, can write uh, about anybody. Yeah. Um, well, gosh, I, probably me. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Jesus And he goes, me I thought he was going to say Jesus card too Perfect the other, Maybe you are Kanye West <laughs> I was going to say Olivia Newton-John Oh, that's awesome That's awesome Why Olivia Newton-John? You know, that started early in our marriage somehow It was one of those three people you'd want to have dinner with oh, yeah. and, and my wife started telling everybody That Olivia would be on my list It would be Jesus and Olivia Newton-John John and Jesus, because you have to say that. John. Anyway, so it's become Olivia ever since. Nice. nice. All right, number nine. Have you ever whipped a nanade? Uh, once, and I'm not proud of it. <laughs> and, and neither is your teenage daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Did you whip a nanade? Wow. Did you whip a nanade as the apple? <laughs> I'm, I'm not mobile enough in the Apple <laughs> He He might have been one of those kids in that choir. So watch me whip. <laughs> you remember that video yeah. of the choir? Yeah. That was ridiculous. Did uh, you see that? No. You need to look it up. White kids do the whipping nay <laughs> <laughs> It was part of their choral like group uh, thing. It was absolutely all right, insane. Last, last, last thing, question. I get embarrassed when I watch it. <laughs> last question. All right, last question for Bring you. Nathan, what would your wife say is the dorkiest thing that you do? <laughs> I, there's no way she could narrow it down to one. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm I'm unabashedly a big Bee Gees fan, Carpenters. Oh, oh the Carpenters! I, I do so many dorky things. Um, you know, the other thing that I did, I, I have no problem. Um, she's almost gotten over it as far as it being dorky, but. But, you know, I went to, um, we had a performing arts black tie event in town, and I went as the orange tuxedo from Dumb and Dumber. Nice. <laughs> and, a, and a buddy went in the light blue. And, yes. And I, I told him I wanted to be orange because I could reuse the tux, which I now own. Oh, and I wore it to the skyboxes at last year's Florida, Florida State game. I just dressed it up with a blue dress shirt. That's nice. That is amazing. I could see that, my man. Oh, Nathan, that's awesome. That's 10 bad questions. Hey, uh, this has been awesome. Before we let you go, tell us, tell people listening to this podcast where they can find. Um, we know we can find all your books on Amazon, um, but do you have a website or and some of your coaching stuff that you do or some of your leadership stuff? Where could they find you? I do, and and most uh, most of it all is is wrapped up in my uh, website. My wife calls it my shrine to me. <laughs> uh, it's uh, www.nathanwhitaker.com. Awesome. And uh, there you go. 
Great. It's hey, great. Nathan, we've Thank loved you, having you on. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And, and it's so good to talk to you and kind of relive some old memories. And you did not destroy our men's ministry and our <laughs> women's ministry or our small group ministry. So it was, it was a pleasure. And, and thanks. You volunteered for me doing some youth work, too. So thank you so much for your investment and so many people and, and your, your um, investment in the kingdom of God. And, and uh, love that you've uh, done that with your life and that you've, you've helped these guys get their stories out. And, and you've done a, uh, an amazing job also mentoring and loving people and athletes and all that stuff. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for your kind words, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys, and good luck to the Brownies. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We will let you know when the podcast nice. comes out. All right. That was Nathan Whitaker, everybody. We'll be back here in a moment on Post-Christian Pastors. Don't go anywhere. up shop here at post christian pastors it's closing time That's awful. one last it. call for root beer root beer <laughs> let's start that oh, over man, again that you don't like that song it's closing time wait no i like that song mark's not allowed to sing you don't like it's closing time you don't like that song Closing time. The song's fine. It's just a matter of... Oh, it's a dead eye That's right. Well, hey... <laughs> okay, shut up. All right. <laughs> I'm glad uh, we had Nathan on. It was great to talk to him about uh, great stuff like sports and Tony Dungy and Tim Tebow and, you know, youth sports in America and whether that's an idol in our culture. And, uh, you know, he knows that he's right in the midst of it and um, with some of the top people in, in sports. And it was great to hear from him. Uh, you guys have any comments? You good? Good, man. No, I just thought it was a great interview. Really liked his perspective. Yeah, Mike's yeah. on his phone. <laughs> no, no. I, mean, really. I told him he had the rule that you can't be on your cell phone whenever you're, whenever we're doing this. It was awesome. Well, well hey, I'll thanks totally for being with us. Rules. Thanks for joining us here on episode 14. Uh, we are Post-Christian Pastors. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on podcast addict you can look us up on facebook we'd love for you to drop us a note if you want to drop us an opinion about the kaepernick thing just find us on facebook let us know and uh we would love to hear from you soon episode 15 will be coming out real soon so make sure you uh like us on facebook and subscribe to us on itunes and uh guys it's time to go and uh, tell your friends tell your friends. we really we really want you to like us it'll make us feel better be one of the cool kids that's right one of the right. cool kids. Absolutely. All right, guys. So it's time to say goodbye. We will see you soon here on Post Christian Pastors. We're out. Peace. Peace out.